on Jerusalem Dateline, a special 4th of July edition celebrating the wonder that is American liberty. How many of the earliest settlers modeled their constitutions on the covenant God had with ancient Israelites? And a roundtable on how today's Jewish nation has become a beacon of democracy in the Middle East. All this and more coming up on Jerusalem Dateline. Hello and welcome to this 4th of July edition of Jerusalem Dateline. I'm Chris Mitchell. The 4th of July marks America's Independence Day, but American settlers' desire to be free came before 1776. Many of the colonists saw themselves as a modern version of ancient Israel. As Paul Strand reports, they wanted what God gave the ancient Israelites, liberty and freedom from tyrants. In wilderness like this, some 100 Puritan settlers, led by the Reverend Thomas Hooker, made their way in 1636 to what became Connecticut's capital, Hartford. It was a land wild and untamed, and they asked Hooker how they should govern it. What he preached May 31, 1638, as it says at the base of this statue, sowed the seeds of free constitutional government in America. The main idea in Hooker's sermon was this. The foundation of authority is laid firstly in the free consent of the people. That's the idea that helped shape the Connecticut Constitution, which then many decades later helped shape the American Constitution. It's why many call Hooker the father of American democracy. Behind the Hartford statue of these praying settlers, a plaque says, here they establish the form of government upon which the present Constitution is modeled. Which starts off how? We the people. Historian William Federer authors the online historical lessons called American Minute. He said this revolutionary idea of democratic rule came after 6,000 years of almost nothing but kings and emperors. And they believed in a top-down form of government where God gives all the power and rights to the king and he's God's lieutenant who dispenses it to the people. Colonialists like Hooker turned that on its head. And America's founders, when they got the chance, they wanted to run away from a king and they flipped it and made the people the king. Michael Medved, radio talk show host and author of The American Miracle, summed up their united belief this way. All of us have the same ultimate sovereign, God Almighty, but that God Almighty does not appoint and, and designate uh, crowned heads over us. The power comes from the people. John Jay, the first chief justice, said the people are the sovereign of this country. They did seem bound, though, by a common faith foundation. The idea of providence, the idea that they were doing God's work, that this American experiment was ultimately an American miracle. But these foundations and principles didn't form here in the colonies. Their origin was a long, long time ago in a place far, far away. For that part of the story, we turn to Chris Mitchell in Israel. Thanks, Paul. Many pilgrims and Puritans crushed under European kings wanted the government and liberty God gave to the ancient Israelites. When Moses took the children of Israel out of Egypt, that was the first instance in world history of an entire nation with no king. One thing after another was revolutionary in this Hebrew Republic, such as the tribes electing their own leaders, and that all people were to be treated as equals. Israel was the beginning of the concept of equality on planet Earth. The Hebrew Republic was the first nation with no standing army. You have a king, he has an army to enforce his will. In Israel, every man was in the militia and armed and ready at a moment's notice to defend his family and his community. It was the first nation where everyone was taught to read, so everyone could know the law. Israel had no police. Not only did everyone get taught the law, everyone was responsible to help enforce the law. Most colonial Christians shared this crucial belief with ancient Israelites, there's a God watching everyone, 
wanting them to be fair and holding them accountable in the future. That creates a conscience. If everybody in the country believes this, you can maintain complete order with no police. Maximum liberty. This is what Thomas Hooker and other New England pastors and lawmakers were looking at as a model. And then this became the model for the other constitutions of the states, eventually the U.S. Constitution, and that allowed America to blossom into this uh, amazing experiment of the people getting to be king and each individual citizen accountable to God. And that's how ancient Israel and colonial America are linked more than most people would ever know. Coming up, a roundtable on how Israel also wants to be a land of the free, and it's protecting liberty within its borders. I often marvel when Pat tells the stories of the early beginnings, I think, I don't think I would have had the chutzpah to do some of those things that he did. When you're walking by faith, it, it isn't necessarily easy. Watch the CBN Story, now available on the CBN Family app. We were right on the cutting edge of things that nobody had seen before. And I know a lot of people thought we were crazy. The CBN story recalls the celebrated history of the Christian Broadcasting Network from its humble beginnings. It was quite a scene. And we walked into this television station. In the control room, there was glass all over the floor. To the renowned ministry that continues to bring the gospel to every nation. When people can hear the gospel on television in their own language, they respond to that. A special presentation in celebration of Pat Robertson's life and legacy. The CBN Story. Watch now on the CBN Family app. Download the CBN News app 24-7 news from a Christian perspective at home or on the road. One place for all of your news. Breaking news alerts. Set daily prayer goals and pray for news stories. Read the most important news and watch CBN News Channel Live. CBN News, because truth matters. Go to CBNNewsApp.com to get the app today. He walked with the living God and showed us the keys to the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. Pat Robertson, evangelist, humanitarian, statesman, educator, author, and visionary. Watch Pat's story and be encouraged by his many teachings. Go to cbn.com slash pat to learn more about what the Lord accomplished through this remarkable servant. So America's Constitution was modeled after God's covenant with ancient Israelites. But now do we see modern Israel modeling itself after America, the land of the free? Here in Jerusalem hangs an exact replica of America's Liberty Bell, famous for its inscription from Leviticus 25, proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. Well, does Israel proclaim liberty to all its inhabitants? We're talking about that and more with Jerusalem Post commentator Gil Troy and CBN's own Middle East analyst John Wagi. So Gil, talk about it. What, what about Israel's relationship and liberty? This Liberty Bell not only represents the friendship between the United States of America and Israel, but the aspirations that we share. And think about it. Israel has never known a day of peace in its life, but it's also never known a day without freedom, liberty, democracy. Here in the Middle East, 
And so it really is quite extraordinary, and it goes back to the Bible, because the Bible articulates a series of values about equality, about virtue, about justice, about, uh, about righteousness that is the core of any democracy. Mm -hmm. John, I understand you were a little surprised that uh, individual rights and freedom took such a foothold here in modern Israel, especially with the form of its first government. Yeah, you know, Paul, the, what struck me in reading the history of modern Israel was uh, that the Almighty, in His wisdom, used secular socialists to, to found the nation. And I read an interesting thing about, uh, about Shimon Peres, who just until late, late in life was the president of Israel and was there at the very beginning with David Ben-Gurion. And the way he wooed his wife and, and uh, tried to persuade him uh, her to marry him was that he quoted Karl Marx. He would sit by the moonlight and quote passages to Sonia of, of Karl Marx. And I thought, wow, what a start, you know? And yet they had such respect for liberty and freedom here. Well, well, Gil, um, probably the most outstanding feature of America's Declaration of Independence is the statement that all citizens are endowed with inalienable rights. God gives these, government must not take them, mustn't infringe upon them. Um, does Israel believe in this concept of inalienable rights? Well, if you read the Israeli Declaration of Independence, which was very much modeled on the American Dec Declaration of Independence, and David Ben-Gurion himself had two very helpful experiences. One, in 1915, he found refuge in America, and two, in, 20, in 1923, he visited the Soviet Union. And he wanted to run away from the Soviet U Union model and run toward the American model, so he was kind of a Jeffersonian socialist. And so inherent, not only in the DNA of the Jewish people through the Bible, and not only inherent in the Jewish people's DNA because they've been arguing and yelling and screaming at one another for so many years, is in Israeli democracy and in the Israeli De Declaration of Independence is a promise of equality for all its inhabitants. And when they say the inhabitants, they're well aware of the fact that it's going to be a majority Jewish state, but there will be a Christian and Muslim minority. And so from the very start, there's always this commitment to equality and liberty, and it's worked. Mm -hmm. Well, John, speaking of that, um, Israel is the only Jewish nation in the world, and yet it's been very strong in protecting religious liberty, even for believers who would want to destroy the Jews and their religion. Why do you think it's been so firm on this, and, and what that meant? Well, I think that it goes back to the Bible, for one thing. And for another thing, um, the, the Jewish people themselves, after they were scattered, uh, after the, the Romans sacked Jerusalem, uh, they were the minority in so many parts of the world and in so many ways. They were a persecuted minority. Uh, whether it was Christians, Muslims doing the persecuting, uh, they had 2,000 years of experience with that. And so I think they wanted to turn over a new chapter uh, when they assembled here in, in this land. Um, Gil, some people are worried that the present White House isn't all that supportive of Israel, and that's emboldening, emboldening Israel's enemies to strike, uh, maybe even sometime declare all-out war. Um, can just this threat hanging over it threaten freedom and rights for citizens here in Israel? Look, it's part of the miracle because when you're under such pressure, when you're surrounded by such enemies, on the one hand, the tendency to sacrifice rights simply for the sake of security, grows and grows. And when you have people like the Iranians constantly calling out for the death of, by the way, big Satan in the United States as well as little Satan, and you should be very clear who our enemies are, as we being a part of the civilized world, it's very easy to kind of button down the hatches and panic. On the other hand, Iran, Egypt, the Palestinian Authority, Hamas, all give us daily 
examples of how awful it is to live under totalitarian rule and how wonderful it is to live under democratic rule. Well, that leads me to a follow-up question, which is that, um, so here it is, 75 years Israel's been the, uh, really the only democracy here and celebrating these individual rights and liberty and all and thriving, um, fourth happiest nation in the world. Do you think it's making a difference at all in the region? Do you think people who've wanted to destroy Israel are maybe coming around some? Obviously not enough, <laughs> and I wish democracy was more contagious, and that's the kind of epidemic we need. But uh, I, I do actually think see, you can see changes. First of all, let's look at the excitement of the Abraham Accords and the way in the United Arab Emirates, which still is a dictatorship, there's been a kind of cultural connection and an excitement and an opening of commerce partially because of the Israel, Israeli miracle. And I think, I, I call this peace more. The more peace we have, the more democracy we'll have, the more goodwill we have, we've had. And even if you look at the Palestinian Authority, for all the insanity and all the terrorism and all the delegitimization of Israel and all the anti-Semitism, you also have a situation where Palestinians sometimes go to the Israeli Supreme Court to petition against Israel. And so they're actually learning democratic practices and democratic values even while squelching them. And I like to think that at the end of the day, democracy and goodness and liberty will will out. John, throughout its 75-year history, Israel's swung all the way from far left, far right, and yet... Has it maintained a sort of a balance when it comes to these things like individual rights, freedom, and liberty? I think so. I think it's inherent in the people. They want to live differently than the nations that surround them. And I think that they're, they're committed to that. They, that. It's a way of life, like you said, for 75 years. So um, yes, it will continue despite the threats on both sides of fascism, totalitarianism. Uh, you know, you get those charges, but in the end, people get to say their piece, pretty much. Gil, what do you think? Um, is, is it sort of amazing that it's been able to hold that balance despite going way to the left, way to the right? Not only is it miraculous because it's been going way to the left, way to the right, think about three million Jews from all over the world were absorbed in Israel over the last 75 years. Very, very few of them came from democratic countries. They came from the most totalitarian countries in the world, and nevertheless, we created a democracy. And right now, week after week, just a mile away from here, people are yelling and screaming, there's no democracy, and I already yelled at them, that proves there's democracy, right? Because when you can get up in the middle of the town square in front of the president's house and yell there's no democracy, it's still democratic. Wow. Well, that's all the time we have. Very interesting discussion. Thank you so much, commentator Gil Troy and analyst John Waggy. And I'm Paul Strand, CBN News, Jerusalem. Next, men like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson didn't just stumble into creating the land of the free. They studied their entire lives how to make liberty sacred in their new nation. Attacks on Jewish lives, communities, and synagogues. The Jewish nation has survived war. I was so scared. Terrorism. And saw my husband covered in blood. And waves of anti-Semitism. It's a message of killing Jews. Now is the time to defend Israel's basic right to exist. And you can do that through CBN Israel. When you send a gift to the Jewish people through CBN Israel, you are giving humanitarian aid to Israelis in need. And at the same time, you are providing news coverage and documentaries that reveal what is really happening in Jerusalem and the Middle East. Attacks against Israel are ongoing. The need is urgent, and you can help. Call 1-800-813-8734. Go to cbn.com slash standwithisrael or text CBN Israel to 41444.
region's first ROTC graduate student. Introducing the all-new Superbook Academy Express, a special series hosted by Gizmo, featuring a full-length Superbook episode, plus so much more. Included with every Academy Express is a special family resource guide filled with scriptures, coloring pages, and other fun-filled activities. Join the CBN Animation Club today and get this exciting new DVD, plus two copies to share with others, all for your gift of only $25. America's founding fathers didn't just create a land of liberty. They came up with a form of government to protect all of America's citizens. As Paul Strand reports, this was because the founding fathers had studied how to govern wisely. When you look at the miracle of the American Revolution, a critical combination was God's timing plus the leaders chosen to carry it out. Teaching about the intense education and deep curiosity of our founding fathers is author Jenny Cody's passion. They studied ancient civilizations, and I don't mean just like AP history, you know, and dates and facts and stuff. They studied how governments work. They studied ancient Rome, ancient Greece. They studied philosophy, how men thought. Cody wrote The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key to better connect our younger generation with America's founders. My life's purpose is to get kids excited about history and make them fall in love with it. In this book, the author uses talking animals to help the future leaders when they're children. One is a young Benjamin Franklin reading in depth about ancient leaders' character, virtues, and vices. Plutarch's Life, Benjamin Franklin, 11 years old, that was his favorite book. Have you read Plutarch's Lives? I just read it to write this book, and it's pretty complicated. Young George Washington wrote in longhand 110 principles put together by Jesuits about how to live right and be a gentleman. What 12-year-old today do you think would take the time to have a journal and to handwrite out rules of civility and civil discourse? I mean, he wrote down these principles so he would learn them. Colonial society at this time was pretty much based on the lessons and literature of Christianity. Children were learning their ABCs based on Bible characters. Today's public schools not only don't teach out of the Bible, they don't teach how important Christianity was to most of the founding fathers. Or they suggest founders like Washington and Thomas Jefferson were deists, believers in only a distant and uninvolved God. Yet Washington stated after surviving a battle where his coat was punctured by numerous bullets and two horses were shot dead beneath him, I was saved by the miraculous care of providence that saved me beyond human expectation. Patrick Henry, the man who shouted, give me liberty or give me death, stated, there is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations. As a young man, Patrick Henry was right in the middle of the first great awakening and the battle for greater religious liberty in the colonies. The war for religious freedom was happening under his own roof. Henry's father and uncle were Anglicans in Virginia State Church. However, his mother, Sarah, was a bit of a rebel and she went with this new great awakening dissenter movement. She would take her son to hear evangelists preach in this first national revival. The experience helped form him into the mighty order eventually labeled the voice of the revolution. His voice for freedom and stand against the high taxes of the Stamp Act helped ignite the revolution. A decade before we even declared independence, he was the first one to speak up against tyranny. That's when Sam Adams and the boys and the Sons of Liberty was like, look at these guys in Virginia. We need to be that bold. And so isn't it amazing how one voice speaking up for liberty against tyranny can change the world. And he joined many bold leaders educated for just that moment in time. They understood that liberty is precious because it had been oppressed 
you know, over the centuries and they studied it. And so because they studied what worked in history, they could smell a tyrant coming 3,000 miles away and they were ready. While Cody also points out their failures, like Patrick Henry owning slaves. I'm showing his struggle with slavery, you know, where he says it's a lamentable evil. I cannot justify it. I cannot believe I'm a Christian, yet I do this. There's no excuse. But she finds it horrible that schools are shying away from teaching the great and good stories of America's first decades and its founders just because of their dark side. To the point where I heard recently that some school curriculums are going to start teaching in 1866. Oh, let's just skip over the whole founding of our nation because it's too painful. Cody holds patriot camps with kids and often asks what will happen if children don't learn their nation's history. I said, we'd lose our future. And I said, whose responsibility is it to keep telling the stories of our history? And you know what they said? It's ours. So if kids are willing to own it, let's just teach it to them. Paul Strand, CBN News, Washington. The First Amendment was meant to build a high wall around Americans' relationship with God. See how it's been used instead to toss God out of much of American life. Thank you for watching Jerusalem Dayline. We're committed to providing you with unbiased reporting from the Holy Land. Through weekly broadcasts, podcasts, and online media, our vision is to reach millions around the globe with the true story of what's happening in Israel and the Middle East, all from a biblical and prophetic perspective. This is a big vision and is only made possible by the generous support of people like you. Call us toll free at 1-800-700-7000 or go to cbn.com slash Jerusalem Dateline and make a donation that will help spread the light of truth about Israel throughout the world. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us from all of the nations and given us his Torah. From CBN Films. The Bible is a book that has transformed the world. If you believe in the providence of God, you believe that God guided those who collected the oral and written traditions. If you can't rely on its history, how can you rely on its theology? What is it? I don't know. I thought you could tell me whether or not they're genuine. It has been criticized, it has been banned, it has been burned, its followers have been burned and killed. It mattered to them to get it right. From the makers of In Our Hands, Oracles of God, the story of the Old Testament. Available on instant 4K streaming access and DVD today for a gift of any dollar amount. Come home to the sounds of Southern Gospel from CBN Radio. You'll enjoy a rich Southern blend of bluegrass, classic gospel, and Southern Gospel favorites like the Gaithers, the Crab Family, and bluegrass sounds like Mountain Faith. So make yourself at home with the all-new CBN Southern Gospel. Now available at CBNRadio.com. Introducing a brand new way to start your morning. Get your daily quick start from CBN News. A quick read on the important news of the day delivered right to your inbox. Stay current on breaking news, politics, and entertainment. Discover how God is moving around the world and here at home. 
Plus, get exclusive stories and daily scripture encouragement just for you. Stay informed. Go to quickstart.news and subscribe today. A big debate here in Israel is over religious freedom. Paul Strand reports how America's founding fathers protected everyone's religious beliefs by separating church and state. But in recent times, that separation has spun out of control. America's Constitution resides here in the National Archives. Its Bill of Rights protects freedoms such as speech, the press, and religion. It says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Today's prevailing opinion believes that means government and God can have nothing to do with each other, thus creating a high wall separating church and state. But what did the founding fathers who wrote it actually mean? When the founders talked about separation church and state, they had a historical context that we really lack. Reverend Eddie Hyatt, author of Pilgrims and Patriots. Church and state was merged together, and the church used the power of the state to enforce its doctrines and practices. He says certain governments used deadly force against dissenters who wanted to worship in their own way. Those people were persecuted, uh, burned at the stake, some had their tongues cut out. The founders did not want that kind of Christianity. And so that's the context they have of separation church and state. It was never the, the church taking over the state, it's always the state taking over the church. Author Jerry Newcomb, who wrote the book that made America, says the founders opposed such force. Didn't want to have a national established church of America like you have the Church of England forcing people to believe something that they didn't believe in. Thomas Jefferson wrote to worried pastors in a famous 1802 letter assuring them government wouldn't interfere with their faith. Because there's a wall of separation between church and state. And so the way he used it is, guys, the government's not going to stop religious activities. Then almost 150 years later, more liberal justices and judges began to interpret that to mean government had to wall off any touch of faith on any public institution or the people in it. William Federer, author of the daily American Minute. And that's when they began to reinterpret that phrase to say, no, we're going to get faith and God and everything out. Such as the 1980 Supreme Court ruling that kicked the Ten Commandments out of public schools. They said if the Ten Commandments were on the schoolroom wall, the children might read them, meditate on them, venerate them, and obey them. We got to make sure that kid doesn't say God at graduation. You can't let a kid pray over their lunch. Attorney Jeremy Dice fights for religious rights. When the government tells you what you can believe and what you cannot believe, that is a significant loss in our freedom. It's ironic that judges will say, well, we have to maintain separation of church and state. They're quoting from Jefferson, and Jefferson in the Declaration said all men are endowed by their creator with certain enable rights. Here's Jefferson acknowledging he believed in a creator, and they're using his phrase out of context to prohibit a creator. In that same letter, Jefferson showed where he stands. At the end of it, Thomas Jefferson says, will you please pray to God for me, and I will pray to God for you. He violates the separation of church and state in the very letter that gave us the, the phrase. And right after he wrote it, President Jefferson left the White House to go to the, the United States Capitol at the time to do what? To go to church that Sunday. In the Capitol. In, in the United States Capitol buildings. The U.S. Supreme Court has more than 50 depictions of the Ten Commandments in its own building. They did not want a national church, but they wanted God in all of their proceedings. So, you know, if, if their idea was, well, there should be no reference to God in our government, then the founders, you know, absolutely were schizophrenic. They absolutely did not mean the separation of God and government. As Newcomb put it, while the founders made religious freedom a priority, 
they certainly did not intend to make America into some sort of secular wasteland. Paul Strand, CBN News, reporting from the National Archives. Well, that's all for this July 4th edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can follow us on social media and access CBN content through our CBN News and other CBN apps. I'm Chris Mitchell. We'll see you next time on Jerusalem Dateline.